Welcome to the Coast Life Church Podcast. We exist to lead people to the abundant life in Christ. For a great way to stay connected throughout the week, be sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook and subscribe to our YouTube channel. From wherever you're listening, we hope that you are encouraged by this week's message. Let's give God a great praise. You know, I was just sitting down here on the front row thinking, like, this is such a spirit-rich environment. You know, not every environment that you go into has the presence of God in it. And it's something special about being in a spirit-rich environment. Because there's things that happen in the presence of God that don't happen anywhere else. That there, there's things that take place that in the presence of God... The, the joy of God comes in. The peace of God comes in. The miracle supernatural power of God comes in through the presence of God. And today, I think we just need to take a minute and appreciate that we are not in a dead, lifeless environment. We are in a spirit-rich environment where God's presence is here, which means the peace of God that transcends all understanding is in this room. The joy of the Lord is inexpressible and full of glory is in this place. That means somebody's miracle is already in this room right now that God's presence is here come on and what we do to receive in a spirit-rich environment is it's according to our faith what we receive that it's here it's just ready for somebody like the woman with the issue of blood to reach out and touch the hem of his garment come on Coast Life can we take a minute and let's just touch the hem of his garment let's just take a minute and with our faith begin to entertain the presence of a God that has the ability to destroy every bondage to lift every burden to remove every mountain to begin to speak blessing over everything that's tried to curse your life. Come on, can we take a minute and just fill this room with the praises of our God. Lift up the name of Jesus. We praise you, God. Magnify. Come on, anybody happy to be in church today? It's so good. It's so good to see you. I love, we just sang that song, He Breaks Every Chain. Have y'all seen this, why Jesus can't wear jewelry? Because he breaks every chain so he can't wear jewelry. I love that one. That's so good. If you have a Bible, 1 Peter chapter 2, and we're going to read verses 4 and 5. We're starting a new collection today called Living Stone. And it's, it's out of this passage in 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 4 through 5. I want to talk about the church. Can we just talk about the church for a few weeks? I want to hopefully give us some perspective for who we are, what God's purpose is for our lives collectively and what God wants to do. First Peter chapter two, verses four and five, as you come to him, a living stone, so singular, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God chosen and precious. You yourselves like living stones, so it's plural, Peter is talking to an audience that includes us, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. I want to preach a message called This House is Alive. And if you didn't know it, you just stepped into a church that is alive by the Spirit of God. Come on, let's pray. Father, thank you for this time in your presence. 
we are participators with the presence of God. God, our hearts are yielded to you. Our hearts are open to you. Our hearts are turned towards you. Pray that you speak to us. Minister to us with your word. I pray that, Father, anoint me to preach your word. Anoint our ears to hear the word. And I pray that your word would not return void, but it would accomplish everything that you've sent it to do in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. You guys can be seated. If I drop a reference from The Office, does everybody have context for the show The Office? Any any office watchers in the room? It's, it, it's amazing to me how this show has become generational. I don't know how many years it's not been uh, on, on air, but now even like the next generation has gravitated towards the wonders of, of the office. And so I'm going to trust that at least you have a reference point for it. It, it ran for nine years. And then in, in, in the last show, after nine years, in one of the final scenes, there's a character called Andy Bernard, a.k.a. the Nard Dog. And he, he drops this line, and it says, I wish there was a way to know that you're in the good old days before you've actually left them. And the, if you've never seen the show, it's awkwardly humorous. Like, I'm, I'm so nervous watching that show, but it's, it's funny. It's so silly. And so you're just sitting there watching the absurdity of the humor of the show, and then they drop a line like that, and the next thing you know, you're like crying, talking in tongues, having a God moment, watching The Office, because just hits your heart. I don't, that's what I do. I don't know what y'all do, but uh, it's such a powerful line, and it hits because it's true. In, in the moment, it's difficult to realize sometimes what you're actually in. You know, I think of when my kids were little. When your kids are little, it's so hectic and crazy, and, and yet when you come out of that season and your kids are a little older, you look back and like, some, some really special times and special moments. And sometimes in the chaos, so, you know, there's a, a cliche that the, the days are long, but the years are short because in the chaos of, of a young family and toddlers and all of that stuff, it's sometimes hard to appreciate just the moment that you're in. I think of when we started this church, it was the busiest, craziest, most hectic season of my life. Some of you have started businesses or been a part of a, of a venture like that and, and you're so vulnerable and things are so chaotic. But then when you've come out of it, you look back and you go, man, those were some amazing moments. Those were some amazing times. And when, when the apostle Peter writes uh, these words, verses four and five, he writes the phrase of being living stones. He, he's writing to people who are experiencing hardships and suffering. They're, they're going through a terrible time. To, to borrow a phrase from the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, their lives have been flipped, turned upside down. Everything about their world has been turned upside down. And he uses in chapter one, he uses this phrase called, and he calls them, he said, I'm writing to you the pilgrims of the dispersion, which is an interesting phrase. And it, it kind of has a dual meaning. In some ways, it just, the pilgrims of dispersion just refers to Christians in general. In, in the fact that we are pilgrims because this world is not our home. We belong to another place. That this, this isn't the place that I belong. And I think as Christians, oftentimes we feel the unsettling of like, 
man, this, this ain't right. This isn't where I, I, I'm, I'm made for something more and better than this. But we are pilgrims of the dispersion because God has sowed us like seed into this world to be salt and light. And we are just pilgrims. I'm not staying here. I'm going somewhere else. But God has me a mis- on a mission for where I am right now. And we're pilgrims of dispersion. But then he's writing the, the, the more practical application of this is he, he's writing to people who because of persecution, because of trials and, and tribulations, they have been dispersed from their families. Many of them, when they made the decision to follow Jesus, this is the power of public baptism, water baptism. When they were baptized, they took on the Christian faith. They took on the identity of Jesus Christ. And that decision caused them to be dispersed from their family who would have had a different God, an idol, something. And they were dispersed. Many of them were, were dispersed because of persecution and, and, and were, were sent out. And so their lives, literally, they had to leave homes. They, they, they were just sent everywhere. And I think right now, uh, we sense that. I think if, if, if you're a Christian, you sense like never before that this world is not our home, that this is not our place, that, that God has something better for us. And then there are people who are dispersed right now. Uh, we have people in our church that have been dispersed, let go from their jobs because of vaccine mandates and, 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 and all kinds of crazy stuff that they're walking through and, and, and they were dispersed. We have students in our church that ha- have left school systems because of persecution and, an, and, and a toxic environment and, and they've been dispersed. There, there are people in our church right now that their decision to get water baptized has dispersed them from friend circles and things that they were a part of and following Jesus has, has put them in a place where they have, have been scattered. And to put it in a phrase from Peter, you are, you are pilgrims of the dispersion. And the pilgrims of dispersion, that, that phrase is a strong awareness of something. And that is, there is no home for us in this world that this is not our place and this is not where we belong. And Peter's message to them was this, is you may be dispersed, but wherever you are, God's house is there. That, that wherever you go, that God's house is with you, that you are at home wherever you go because the place that you belong is gathered in community and he's writing to them saying I don't want you to allow the circumstances that you're going through to cause you to miss who you are and what's available to you. I don't want you to miss the moment that you're in because of the tumultuousness of your situation. I don't want you to get narrow-sighted and forget who you are, forget what God has done in your life and forget what's possible for you because while you're going through trials, you need to know that trials are a trap. And what they do is they convince you that there is nothing beyond the trial. 
Sometimes the danger of a trial isn't what you're walking through. It's the, it's, it's the lie that you are never going to be out of whatever you're walking through and it creates hopelessness. And when you can't see a way out, you start looking back. And what God is wanting them to do and what Peter is trying to remind them is you're not supposed to look back. You're supposed to look forward. But when you're in a trial, you start ruminating over mistakes. You start brooding over failures. You start getting fixated on hurts that happened 10 years, 20 years ago that should be a part of your past, but not a part of your future and start getting fixated on stuff. And I think there's people who feel like that the world is going crazy and they can't see a day beyond this. And it's like God is like ruminating in heaven and he's sitting looking back like, man, I really missed it in the nineties. This thing is off the rails. We are off the tracks now. I had no plan for this. And I just want to tell you, trials are a trap. And if you can't see a way forward, you'll start looking back. And so Peter starts dropping this word called living, living. It's, it's the word living. He says, Jesus is the living stone. He says that we are called to a living hope. He says, God's word is a living word. And he says, you and I in this room, we are living stones. Everybody say the word living because what he's wanting them to realize is in the dispersion and in the chaos of the world that you're living in, I don't want you to lose sight of what you are called to isn't something that's in your past, it's something that's in your future. And the past is dead, but the present is alive. That's what's alive in your life. And that there is nothing about the circumstances of your life that has killed the word of God. The word of God is still living in your life, that is still alive, is still active, is still powerful, is still sharper than any two-edged sword, that the word of God, that your circumstances have not negated the word of God, the word of God is still alive, that your hope has not been moved behind you, your hope is still ahead of you, it's still in front of you, and that the Savior that saved you, that just because you got dispersed doesn't mean that Jesus got dispersed from you, that you are not called to something dead, you are called to something living, and trials are a trap that will cause you to start looking back over your life and ruminating over things that have happened. And Peter says, I want you to realize something. You are in the good old days right now because you have a living savior. You have a living word. You are called to a living hope and you are not dead. You are alive and God's purpose is alive. God's plan is alive. Your hope is living. And I just want somebody to understand, don't miss your moment. This is your moment because there is nothing that God wants to do in your life that is behind you. Everything that God wants to do in your life is right now and it's still on the way and we need to realize the trap of trials is to get me fixated with my faith in the past believing that what happened to me is over and I just want to tell you it's not over because we have a living savior his word is alive in every circumstance that you're walking through there is nothing that you are going through that has negated the power of the word of God in your life and we can't miss the moment that we're in we may be dispersed but wherever we are God's house is there that it doesn't matter how scattered we are. If there's just two or there's three people that get together in the name of Jesus, he is in the midst of that moment and it doesn't matter where we go. We are the house of God. God's presence is there. His word is alive. Our hope is alive and we need to realize that it's not welcome home isn't just a tagline of a church. Welcome home is a theological understanding of the house of God. It's I may not feel like I'm at home in the world. It's because God called me to be at home 
home in the presence of God among the people of God and he's called us to come out of the world and be separate and into community to build the church of Jesus Christ. And right now, this is where God called us to be. Every person has a place in the house of God. It's, it doesn't matter how crazy the world is. The house of God is alive in every season and circumstance. And it's, it's more than a tagline, welcome home. It, it's an understanding that every person belongs at home in God's house. And many of you may not even understand why you, why you can't fit in anywhere. It's because God intended you to be right here at home in his house. And Peter is telling them that your lives may have been uprooted and you, you may have been moved out of places, but the church can't be dispersed because wherever you go, you are the church. And God's house lives in the gathering of his people. And Peter says Jesus is our living stone. And, and a stone is something that is substantial. When you think of this, you think of you know, an ocean scene and there is the boulder coming up out of the waters and the, the waves are crashing against it, but it, it's substantial. And so the Bible uses the term stone or rock it's an illustration of something that's, that's foundational, that is immovable, something that has enduring strength, something that's sure and steadfast. And all through the Old Testament, the Bible uses the term rock or stone as an illustration. And so what Peter is doing when he says Jesus is a living stone is he is grabbing a word from the Bible and letting them know all of those verses, all of those Bible passages that you've read about God being our rock and our redeemer, about, about a stone, all of those references were about Jesus, that Jesus is the stone, that Jesus is the rock. He's taking that word from the Old Testament and saying it was illustrative of Jesus in the New Testament. And by the way, something that needs to be said today, the Old Testament is the word of God. Yes. It's, it's powerful and it's living. In fact, Peter says this in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 10 through 12, this salvation was something even the prophets wanted to know more about when they prophesied about this gracious salvation prepared for you. They prophesied the salvation that was prepared for you. I want you to notice this. They wondered what time or situation the spirit of Christ within them was talking about when he told them in advance about Christ's suffering and his great glory afterward. They were told that their messages were not for themselves but for you. And now this good news has been announced to you by those who preached in the power of the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. It is all so wonderful that even the angels are eagerly watching these things happen. How many of you know we have an audience today? That 
every prophet, the grace of salvation prepared for you. They were told their messages were not for themselves, but for you. And now this good news has been announced to you. Don't you kind of feel flattered at this point? That all of these messages, that God anointed prophets of old to prophesy messages and the spirit of Christ that was, that was inspiring them to prophesy said, I'm going to inspire you to prophesy over this nation, but you know instinctively as you give the prophecy, it's more than that nation that you are talking to something bigger than yourself. That you are prophesying to a future generation. That's what we just read. That, that I'm going to anoint you and empower you to prophesy, but even in your prophecy, you're going to instinctively know that it is something bigger than you and it is something beyond you and you are speaking into future generations. That the Old Testament, that all of these men and women of old who were inspired by God to go out and do great things for God, that what they did wasn't just for them and their generation, it was ultimately for us to keep telling us a story of who we are, about the God that we serve and about the purpose that we have in this earth today, that all of this in the Old Testament was just a prophetic utterance speaking to us today to make sure we know who we are and the God that we serve and the things that God has called us to do. And today we understand the New Testament because we've been able to read the Old Testament. And we understand the gospel because the law taught us about the gospel. And the law told us that we would never be able to redeem ourselves, we would never be able to do enough works to help ourselves, that we would never be able to perfectly keep the law. And once we had finally, as humanity, understood there is no law that's gonna save us, that's when Jesus came and brought the gospel that I will be your savior. And so the Old Testament, y'all ever heard this phrase, types and shadows? And types and shadows are, are it, that something was the type, but it wasn't the real thing. And that, that something was the shadow, but it wasn't the substance. And today, because of these stage lights, I, I, I have a shadow. I can cast my shadow out to the second row. You can see the shadow on the floor from where I'm standing. You can see the shadow and you see the, 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 the shadow, but what the shadow doesn't tell you is it, you can't really tell how tall I actually am. You can't see what kind of hair color I have. You can't tell my eye color you, from a shadow. You can't tell if I have light skin or if I had dark skin. You can't, you can't tell any details about my person. The only thing the shadow tells you is something else is there. That, that you can see that there is a shadow, but the shadow is not the substance. It's just telling you that the substance is there. And when the Bible gives us all of the Old Testament, all of the Old Testament is a shadow saying you can see the shadow in the Old Testament, but in the New Testament, you're going to see the substance. So every Bible story in the Old Testament is telling us that something's there, but it's giving us an expectation that we're going to see the reality of it in the New Testament. So there's 
there's a day in the nation of Israel thousands of years ago where Moses is a leader and he's leading the people of Israel through the wilderness and they're in a desert place and there's no water. There's, there's no Fiji on the shelves. There's no Dizani. There's no Wawa to stop and get an ice cold drink on a hot day. There is no water to be found. And so they're there and they're thirsty and they have no idea. Like we're walking through this wilderness. We're following you, Moses. And now you've brought us into a place where there is no water. So Moses cries out to God and God's like, Hey, I want to give you a solution for the problem that you're in. I want you to go out and you see that big rock in the desert. Yeah, I see that big rock in the desert. I want you to take the stick in your hand and I want you to go out and I want you to hit that rock. That's a great idea, God. That's brilliant that we're in a desert and we need water. I'm going to go out and mercilessly beat a rock. It might help me get some frustration out, but it is not going to help us satisfy the thirst of all of these people. And God's like, no, I want you by faith and obedience. I want you to go out and hit that rock with that stick. It's absurd to think what God is asking him to do. But Moses being obedient goes out, takes the rod of God in his hand and hits the rock and water. But I want you to understand this. There wasn't 12 people standing around a rock and somehow some moisture was accumulated. And when he hit the rock, a little bit of water splattered and they were like, Ooh, I got a, I got a little taste of water. There were two to three million people in the nation of Israel, two to three million people. And Moses goes out and hits a rock and a little sprinkle didn't come out. A river came out and two to three million people drank water in the wilderness. But the Bible tells us that that was the shadow, but the substance was Jesus. And Jesus was the rock that was smitten on the cross. And when he was struck, out of him came rivers of living water. And that's a well that will never run dry. That was the shadow. But Jesus is the substance. That Jesus is the living stone. That we are living stones being built into a spiritual house. So you have to understand this. When we gather in this room, we are not a house of shadows. We're a house of substance. And he's writing in the dispersion to people who feel like there's no place. There's nothing tangible. They've been kicked out of the, of the temples where their families used to worship idols. If there were Jewish people reading, he's probably primarily writing to Gentiles, but if there were Jewish people who would read this, they have been kicked out of all of the synagogues that they would go to. And so all of their physical places of worship have been taken away. And Peter is like, I want you to realize something that you may not be going to a physical house, but you're going to a spiritual house and the spiritual house has more substance than the physical house that you are a spiritual house, that you are a holy priesthood and you may be dispersed, but don't misunderstand that what you do, it may not be in a physical thing, but it is a spiritual thing, but don't underestimate the spiritual because the spiritual is not unsubstantial. The spiritual is the substance of what God has been looking for. And for many people, we gravitate to something physical or we gravitate to something that we can see, touch or taste and we overlook the power of the spiritual that God wants in our lives. But what I want you to realize is what 
Peter was writing to them is you are the substance of everything that you've ever seen in God's house. Everything that you've read in the Old Testament, that was just the shadow. You are the substance. When God was looking through the nation of Israel and he was giving them ritualism, what God was looking for wasn't ritualism. What God was looking for you is your faith. And when you have faith in God, that is the substance of what God was looking for. He wasn't looking for ritualism. He was looking for somebody who would have faith in spite of every circumstance that's going on in their life. They would stand and believe that God is who he says he is. And Peter says, that's the substance that God is looking for. That your song is your substance. That God wasn't looking for animal sacrifices and he wasn't looking for ritualism. He was looking for somebody who would stand in the darkest hour of their life and lift their hands and sing of the goodness of God and that they would not be an animal sacrifice. They would be a living sacrifice. That was the shadow. Today, when you stand in this room and worship, you are the substance that we look for the priesthood and we think, man, the priesthood would have been cool. They had really cool clothes. They had had stuff they wore on their heads. They They had all of these ornaments on their body. The priesthood would have been cool. I just want to tell you, when somebody was parking a car today, that is the priesthood and God put them in something better than those garments. He dressed them in the garments of holiness and he put on them the garments of righteousness and when we live our lives untainted by the world and we don't partake of the things the world partakes of, we're putting on the garments of priesthood and then we step in this house and we offer up spiritual sacrifices to God. That was the shadow. What we do here is the substance. Like what God wanted wasn't somebody to bring some fruit of their flock and some harvest from their fields because the the, the law demanded it. What God wanted was somebody to bring the first of their paycheck, not because the law required it, but because grace gave it to them and they honor God. That's the substance. And we get all of this and we look at what used to be And Peter said that all of these prophets were writing to the church. Do you know who you are today? Do you know the moment that we stand in, that this is the moment that all of the Bible has been pointing to, that we are the fulfillment of every prophecy that God's ever spoken? What Isaiah was prophesying, we're the substance of it. What Jeremiah wept over, we're the substance of what Jeremiah was weeping over. the, The substance of Ezekiel's visions, we are the substance of his visions. What Daniel stood for, we're the substance of what Daniel was standing for, what Moses was leading people to. You're sitting in the substance of what Moses was leading people to, what Abraham was believing for. You are in the middle of the substance of what Abraham was believing God for. We need to understand, come on, we are the church of Jesus Christ. Don't forget who you are. Don't forget what you have. Don't forget what you're capable of. Because the trials are a trap. And I just want to remind somebody, because I, I, I want to be polite and I want to be life-giving. But you cannot be dead and be in a living church. And when we come in this room... And people just spectate like it's entertainment. If you want entertainment, there's far better entertainment in the world than what you're going to get right here. We are not here to entertain. We are here to bring the presence of God and be the church of the living God. Is that okay? 
Like, why are we a responsive church? Because we're not going to be a dead church. We're not going to sit on our backsides and act like God hasn't ever done anything. Everything that you believe in the Bible was prophesying this moment right here. And we walk into church like God is dead, like our hope is gone, like miracles aren't real. And I just want to tell you, this house is alive because our Savior is alive. And people want to go back to ritualism and formalism and make everything proper. God bless you, but what Jesus is looking for is hearts surrendered to him and hands lifted. What Jesus is looking for is spiritual priests who will serve in his house and realize that it's not volunteerism. It is a ministry I do as a priest of Jesus Christ. What he's looking for is people who make a financial investment and they realize that it is different than a charitable donation they make to an organization, that it is an offering, that is a spiritual sacrifice that is received by God himself, that that is what God is looking for because everything about the Old Testament was the shadow. But today, we just walked into a room and it's like, well, it's just church on Sunday. No, this is the substance of what the Bible has been prophesying because the house of God is the purpose of God living on the earth today and when every other kingdom of the world is shaken this is the one that's going to remain in the world because it is unshakable you're a spiritual house you're a holy priesthood this is far more than a building and a religious institution this is the house of God The church, Peter's point, the church is the temple. And he's writing and letting them know, you may feel displaced. And you may feel like everything is in upheaval. But when you got dispersed from the world, you actually got planted in the only thing that is permanent. And right now, You may feel dispersed, but I want to tell you, you don't have to be dispersed because you have the opportunity to get planted in the only thing that is eternal. And the church is, his point is, the church is the community that you belong to. We're going to go through this, but he said, you were once not a people, which is why we believe he's writing to Gentiles because... Jewish people would have saw themselves as a people. So you, you were once not a people, but now you're a living stone on the living stone. And he's pulling the Old Testament. What, what was it that made Israel glorious? It was the temple. What was it that made Jerusalem a spectacle that people wanted to see? The Queen of Sheba came a long journey in that day because she just wanted to see Solomon's temple. What made Jerusalem glorious was the temple, but that was just the shadow. What makes the world better is the church because we are the substance. We're the ones that bring the glory of God to the earth. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 22, verse 22 says, In him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. The church is God's habitation on the earth. That's what we are. 
what the temple was the shadow of, the church is the substance of. In Solomon's temple, it was Moses' tabernacle. That was a tent in the wilderness. It was pretty grand itself. But then Solomon, David saved up all kinds of building material. And Solomon's temple was filled with bronze without measurement. It was so much they couldn't weigh it. And it had silver and it had gold and it had different artistic impressions in wood and all kinds of incredible woodwork in it. And scholars estimate that if you were to take the value, the monetary value of the temple and bring it into today's terms, that it would be in the billions of dollars, just all the gold, all the silver. In one place in the Bible, it says that Solomon made, made silver and gold and precious stones as common as a stone. So the likelihood that you could walk out of this building and see rocks was the likelihood that you could walk into Jerusalem and see gold and silver everywhere, ivory. It was, it was magnificent. Uh, one scholar, m- many scholars actually estimate that today it would be about $6 billion to rebuild Solomon's temple. That's, that's a, what I call a building campaign. That's... That's significant. But that was the shadow. The church cost a lot more than six billion because Jesus paid for it with his own blood. How precious is the church? Jesus gave his life for it. And we... In the dispersion, in the chaos of the world, it's easy to get trapped in a trial. And I just want to encourage you. Don't overestimate the world and undervalue the church. I want to to speak to somebody. Here's, Here's the practical thing that I want to get into week one of Livingstone. You ready for this? I want to encourage you to value the church the way Jesus valued the church that he gave his life for. And it's it's in a season of upheaval that we need the message of what Peter said. That man, there's no place for me. Well, can I just remind you that when every political party that you know has come and gone, when every government that the world is fighting over has come and gone, when every company that we idolize and we buy stock in, nothing wrong with it, but we make that investment in it, but there's gonna be a day when all of that is gonna be gone and there's gonna be one thing that stands and it's the church of Jesus Christ. That's what's gonna stand because every other kingdom in the world is not built on a living stone. So when all the kingdoms of the world are shaken, there is one kingdom that will never be shaken because this kingdom is built on the solid foundation of Jesus Christ. And I'm not here to dispute that the world is crazy. I am not here to dispute that it seems like darkness is getting more and more rampant. I am not here to dispute even that evil is afoot and that the world is going crazy. I'm not here to dispute any of that. I'm just here to remind you that the gates of hell will not prevail against the church of Jesus Christ. 
because the house of God is the presence of God prevailing on the earth. It will never be shaken. It will never be moved. And when all the kingdoms of the world have come and gone, there's going to be one thing that's going to still be standing, and it's the church of Jesus Christ, that Jesus is coming back, not for a disengaged, fragmented group of people who aren't together. He's coming back for the church. Jesus is not coming back for a charitable organization. I love charitable organizations. Jesus is not coming back for a company. Jesus is not coming back for a household. Jesus is not coming back for a single isolated individual living life selfishly their own way. Jesus is coming back for a church that is without spot and without recall. And what is God doing on the earth today? He's building his church. Come on, stand with me all over. So here's my point. I don't think we should be passive about what Jesus was so passionate about that he gave his life for it. And I'm going to take the next few weeks and for some this may be like, hey, I'll catch you at the next collection. I'm going to take the next few weeks and I'm going to call for greater commitment, for greater contribution, for greater involvement. Listen, there's people in this church, their heart and soul. They give, they sacrifice, they serve. It's because they get it, they understand it. That once they were displaced, once they were dispersed, but Jesus planted them in the family of God. And the only plan that I can find in the Bible for the world is God has a church that's perfect and powerful. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna take the next few weeks, I wanna, I wanna help zero in on what is the purpose of God in the earth today. And if you're wondering what that is, you're standing in it, that this is the substance. Like, all of this, all of this right here, All of that was telling the story about this right here. That Jesus was going to build a church. And I'm grateful for buildings. We're, we're working on a building right now. But the church that he had in mind wasn't a physical building. It was a spiritual place where people would be planted. And they would be holy priests building a spiritual house with, with offerings that are acceptable to God, not because of our goodness, but because of the goodness of Jesus Christ. And today, everything that Isaiah prophesied, everything that Jeremiah wept over, the visions that Ezekiel had, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were standing, but what they didn't know was they were standing to give us courage in the church to stand in a culture that is anti-God and declare that we will not bend and we will not bow, we will stand for the living God, that every one of those animals that was laid on an altar, it was just a prophecy, it it was just a foretelling. It was just a shadow that there are going to be people who are going to willingly surrender their lives to the goodness of God and stand in worship to him. And I just want to tell you, in 2021, 159 people have been baptized in this church. That right now, right now, there are 249 priests in this church. 
You know why there's 249 priests? Because that's how many people are on our serve team using their gifts and talents to minister to God by serving people. And they are holy priests. And they may not have on garments of priesthood, but they've got on the garments of righteousness and holiness. And they're serving God. That right now, this year, we have served over 250 unique. It's probably more like 300 middle school and high school students because we are building the church in the next generation and we're teaching them that you are sons and daughters of God right now this weekend there'll be over 170 kids learn about Jesus in our children's ministry because we are raising up a generation and we are that's a small church all by that's a good sized church all by itself why am I telling you this I'm telling you this because this house is alive by the spirit of God he is the living stone in this room cancer has left bodies we know that for a fact cancer has gone in this room people have wept and prayed over family members who were lost and grace and salvation has visited their household in this room in this room marriages were broken and destroyed but God stepped in and said what man tried to put asunder I'm going to make sure it stays together because this house is alive this is the substance come on give God some praise I'm going to pray, and, I, and I'm not trying to be, I feel like I'm getting like almost angry, and I want you to understand it's my passion for people to understand that the kingdom of God is right here, right now. Don't get caught up in all of the dispersion of the world and forget who you are. There's a miracle in this room right now because our God is a miracle worker. The ministry of Jesus is working in his church. We're gonna preach the gospel. We're gonna value the gospel. We're gonna preach the gospel, people are gonna be saved. Jesus preached the gospel. He taught the kingdom of God. He healed the sick and he set the captives free. And I'm gonna pray and you're gonna see, you're gonna see the ministry of Jesus alive in this church because somebody's about to get saved. Somebody's going to get saved in this room. Somebody's going to get their healing today. Because our high priest is here to minister in his house. Somebody is under oppression today. And our high priest is going to come in. <laughs> and he's going to set them free today in this room. Somebody, when we're praying over these needs on the screen, can I just, is it okay if I just make this real? Like there are people in this room who are passionately crying out to God in prayer. And here's what the Bible says. Do we believe the Bible? Do we believe the Bible? Anybody like this? That Bible's pretty cool. That when we pray, <laughs> that the words are spoken in this room and somehow the vocal cords that make the vibration that the sound comes out of. It rises in this room, but it makes a transition from physical to spiritual. 
that by faith that what you hear of maybe somebody praying and maybe they're crying and maybe, maybe you didn't even know how to form the words, but the Holy Spirit was just doing groanings and utterances from you that you didn't even know you, your body could make. And you're doing that. But the Bible says, Revelation says that there's angels catching all of those prayers and they're putting them in a bowl and they're catching the prayers of the saints and they're go- taking them in a bowl and they're taking them to the throne of Jesus. And the Bible says that they just empty the bowl out at the feet of Jesus and the prayers become like a sweet smelling incense in the presence of God and God receives every one of those prayers and so today we're going to pray and miracles are going to happen because I want you to understand something it may not be a physical thing but it's a spiritual thing and it is substantial because the God of heaven hears every one of your prayers come on lift your hands father I pray I pray today that somebody would get a revelation of the, of the holy ground that they're standing on. This is holy ground. This is not common. This is not ordinary. This is just not a formalism or a ritualism we go through. Like Jacob, we stand in this room we say how awesome is this place the house of God how awesome is this place this is the house of God the holy ground that Moses took his sandals off God that was the shadow this is the substance this is holy ground that this is your people, this is your house. It's built on a living stone, that God, your word is alive. Your presence is alive. Today, Jesus, today, Jesus, would you visit your house? Right now, in Jesus' name, Father, I pray if there's anybody that has a sickness in their body, I pray for the high priest right now. Pray for Jesus our living stone. I pray for the ministry of Jesus that he said in his house, greater works shall you do also. Pray right now, Father, that you would heal physical bodies, sweep through this place and by the Holy Spirit, by the Spirit of the living God, let this house be alive and let let healing happen. Father, right now, there are those that are oppressed maybe physical circumstances like poverty and lack and financial bondage. It may be spiritual things. The enemy may be attacking their family, attacking their minds. God, it may be mental oppression. They may be living under depression and anxiety. But Jesus, you came to break the yoke and destroy the bonds of captivity. And right now, Father, we speak freedom to your people. Let freedom step in this room right now. Let peace be alive in your house. Let the joy of the Lord be alive in your house. Let the blessing of the Lord be alive in your house. Father, we speak blessing over your people. We speak the windows of heaven open over your people today, right now, in Jesus' name. Jesus is about to minister in this room.
today somebody is going to receive a brand new life and receive salvation. And we, we're doing growth track in this, in this service right now. And growth track is the way that you make Coast Life Church your home church. Everybody needs a place of planting, a local church to belong to. And so that's, that's how we give you an opportunity to be a part of Coast Life Church. And it's not, it's not a membership like I'm going to sign a little thing and I'm going to become a member. It's about becoming a living stone and finding your part in the body of Christ. That's what growth track is. We're going to talk about that next week. Don't miss. So you can, you can become a part of our church by going to Growth Track, but you, you only join the church, the, the capital C church, the big church, the universal church. You don't join that. You're born into it. You're born into it by the spirit of the living God. That we are outcast, that we are distant, that we are far, and that's, that's the presence of God that's in this room. That's called the spirit of adoption. And today you walked in and you were not a child of God. <laughs> but when you walk out, you're going to be a child of God. You're going to be a son and daughter of God. And you're going to be accepted by the Father. And you're going to find, and you've never been comfortable. I'm speaking to somebody right now. You've never been comfortable. You've never felt your place. But today God is planting in you, in his family and in his house. And you're going to find the place that you've been belonging, that you've been longing for. Because you're going to find the place that you belong. And today somebody's going to hear, not just from our church. Somebody's going to hear from heaven. Welcome home. Welcome to the family of God. We're going to do that with just a prayer. I'm going to pray a simple prayer. I'm going to give you the words because... The words are important, but they're not as important as the faith that you pray with your heart. And today, maybe you've never had a relationship with Jesus. I know I'm taking forever, but I just feel the presence of God just, just sitting in this moment, so I'm sitting with it. And maybe you've never had a relationship. Maybe you've never had a moment. I'm not asking, have you been to church? Because joining a church doesn't make you saved. It's becoming saved that makes you a part of the church can't get it backwards maybe you've never had a relationship with God I believe this is the moment that God wants to adopt you as his son and his daughter and there are those that maybe you've had a place you've had a relationship with God you've had a place in the family of God but for whatever reason you've walked away I just want to tell you the father that welcomed you the first time is the same father that's going to welcome you the second time right here in this room come on would you pray this prayer just say Jesus I receive you now. Come into my heart. Come into my life. Jesus, forgive me. Forgive me of my past. With your blood, wash away my sin. Make me clean. Today I receive you as my leader and my Lord. Today I'm born again. Today I'm part of the family of God. And I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Come on, can we give Jesus some praise in the room today? Come on, give Jesus some praise. Listen, if you just prayed that prayer, I'm going to count to three. And when I get to three, I just want you to raise your hand. And what this is, is it's, it's a marking moment 
that says, I'm not going back today. I'm changed from the inside out today. I have a relationship with God today. I'm a child of God. I'm a son of God. I'm a daughter of God. I'm in the family of God. And today I'm moving forward in my faith. Come on, if you just prayed that prayer, maybe for the first time, or maybe it was a day for you to come back and renew a relationship with Jesus. When I get to three, would you just raise your hand? We're going to celebrate. We're going to honor. And for you, this is a day to, to proclaim the old is gone. I'm born again. The new has come. You ready? On the count of three. One, two. If that was you, three. Lift your hand. Lift your hand. Just say, I see. I see. I see. I see. All over. All over. All over. Come on. Give them a great hand. Does this make sense? Now we can say welcome to the family of God. Give them a great hand one more time. Hey, thank you for joining us and a special thank you to those of you who give so faithfully and generously to this church. It's because of people like you that podcasts like this are possible. And you can click the link in the description to give now, or you can visit mycoastlifechurch.com. And if you enjoyed the podcast, we'd love it if you subscribed, share it with your friends. So thank you for listening and God bless you.